Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this dunya a testing venue for all humanity, for all human beings Human beings are being tested in this dunya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned very clearly in Surah Al-Mulk الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the concept of death and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you life and between life and death Allah will test you لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ تُمْهَارَ imtihan لِيَا جَائِدَ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ amala Who amongst you clings on to the straight path? Who amongst you clings on to good deeds, righteous deeds? In another verse, in fact the very opening verses of Surah Al-Ankabut, <coughs> especially for the believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, أَحَسِبَ النَّاسِ أَنْ يُتْرَكُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ Does insan imagine that merely of his uttering the kalima of him saying لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ that he will be untouched Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not subjugate him to trials and tribulations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not test him in this dunya that is not the case for believers and also for the disbelievers the law is وَلَكَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Allah says even before the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam communities were put to task communities were tested imtihan was taken فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَازِبِينَ so that Allah can show all of humanity on the day of Qiyamah those who are truthful and sincere to their claim of Iman and Islam to their claim of faith and those who were just imposters those who just provided lip service you will find many who speak and speak and speak and preach and preach and preach but when it comes to the practical side of religion, it is all negative. There is nothing there. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he went to jihad, he was in the front line. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an in the front line. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an 
these were the first individuals who would put themselves in the front line in all aspects of deen so this dunya is a testing venue everyone is being tested <coughs> and, and with that in mind my respected brothers we need to understand also that sahabai kiram ajma'een were also tested the elite creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in fact ulama have mentioned that the test for the companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was so intense that it could even shake the foundations of lofty mountains sahabai kiram ajma'een were tested in their health they were physically tested mentally tested spiritually tested subhanallah and in fact ulama have said that their physical bodies are a living testimony for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the love of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa when we look at the trials and tribulations of the companions it was generally with the first batch of Muslims that embraced Islam the first muhajireen, the first category of believers, those who embrace Islam very early, jinhone pehl kiya, the first batch of believers. I said in my second session of Darsi Hadith that Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an was the fourth to embrace Islam. And imagine, my respected brothers, not even a noble man, a man of great repute and status. A wealthy man, uh, a man who was highly respected in Makkah, he was not even spared. Even Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an was persecuted and tortured. The likes of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, senior individuals of the Qurayshi tribe, this was the hatred that the Kuffar, that the Qurayshi people had for those who said, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Immediately they showed their enmity and hatred and they despised the Muslims. And they did not leave someone like Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an, or even someone like Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. And so you had thugs and gangs that would control the city of Makkah. And their job was only to victimize the Muslims. So whenever wherever they would find one individual, you'd have ten of the mushrikeen immediately attacking that believer. Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an was tortured by his very own uncle. And the name of the uncle, the paternal uncle is Hakam ibn Abil As ibn Umayyah. Hakam ibn Abil As ibn Umayyah. He was the key player, the key man in plotting against his nephew Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala he and along with a group of people they would tie the hands of Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and tie the legs and then they would start torturing Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala they would say to him oh Uthman this is the uncle saying to his nephew Uthman all we want from you is that you renounce your religion and you forsake Islam say there is no God except the gods of your forefathers believe in Lat and Uzza 
except the religion of your forefathers. Continuous punishment, torturing, excruciating pain. Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an, and for that matter all of the companions, the only words that echoed from their mouths was Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah. Their iman, my respected brothers, this unshakable iman that they had, under no circumstances would they compromise with their kalima la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. They were prepared to die. They were prepared to sacrifice their parents. They were prepared to sacrifice their children. But they would not dishonor and disrespect the kalima la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. In fact, the perpetrators, those who would punish, they would get tired. They would take shifts. Huh? AM slot belongs to you, PM belongs to you. Five, ten of them would take turns in punishing Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. And when Hakam realized that it is of no avail, there is no way anyone is to shrink the iman of Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an, only then was he allowed to go free. <coughs> Allahu Akbar. Now my respected brothers, imagine Hazrat Uthman was considered to be one of the nobles of Makkah. Picture those who were not considered to be the nobles of the city of Makkah. Imagine how difficult it must be for the companion. And we have to mention one particular family, Allahu Akbar, that went through immense sacrifice, and they were persecuted and tortured for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The family of Hazrat Ammar. Now generally the first batch of Muslims you would find that only one from amongst the family had embraced Islam or at the most maybe two people had embraced Islam. But Hazrat Ammar Ta'ala's family was uh, very exclusive in a sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose every single one of them to accept Islam. The entire family embraced Islam at the hands of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ammar's brother, Hazrat Abdullah. Ammar's father, Hazrat Yasir. And Ammar's mother, Hazrat Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha. And Allahu Akbar, for the sake of Allah, for the deen of Allah, the entire family was tortured. Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an Uthman bin Affan is the narrator. He says that once I accompanied Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the area of Batha. Batha is a rocky region outside Makkatul Mukarramah. And so Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was walking with Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. And at a distance, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam saw a gang, a group of mushrikeen torturing Hazrat Ammar radiallahu ta'ala and his family. The mother, the brother, the father, everyone were grounded. <coughs> Imagine in the intense heat of Makkatul Mukarramah, my respected brothers. If anyone has had the opportunity to perform uh, Zuhur Salah before uh, the, the Khadimul Haramain al-Sharifain extension had taken place, and now we have special tiles uh, that always remain very, very cool, even in the intense heat. But before you didn't have the special white tiles that are there today.
And even for a second, if you were to touch the tiles, it would actually burn your skin off in the afternoon, if you could not get to the masjid. And so in the rocky region, in the open area, the entire family of Hazrat Ammar radiallahu ta'ala, including the mother, they were grounded, and there was this special slate, heated slate, it would actually burn up like charcoal. And the intention was to burn the skin of Hazrat Ammar and to burn the skin of Hazrat Yasir and Hazrat Sumayya. So you had a slate, a large slate, that covered at least two-thirds of the body. And it was burning. Smoke would come out. And the kuffar would laugh. Two or three of them would quickly jump on the slate and jump out again. And then they would jump again and jump out again. In order to punish Hazrat Ammar, Hazrat Yasir and Hazrat Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha. Allahu Akbar. When Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw the family of Ammar, Hazrat Yasir radiallahu ta'ala and could barely see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The slate was covering everything. When he saw Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is said that he called Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, Ya Rasulullah, Will this continue with your followers forever? The difficulty, the hardship that we go through. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to them, Ammar, O family of Ammar, sabrun jameel, make sabr. Be patient, be patient. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at that moment made dua and gave glad tidings of Jannah to all of the members of the family of Hazrat Ammar radiallahu ta'ala. And he said, Ammar, you are in Jannah. Yasir, you are in Jannah. O Sumayya, you are in Jannah. O Abdullah, you are in Jannah. For this sacrifice, you are in Jannah. Allahu Akbar. Inna Allah ashtara min al-mu'mineen wa anfusahum wa amwalahum bi anna lahum al-jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this buying and selling this transaction already. Uh, the believer who says, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bought him. Bought him physically and also spiritually, even the soul, for Jannah. And so this glad tidings was given to Hazrat Yasir radiallahu ta'ala an, and Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam walked away. It is said, my respected brothers, that the entire family was martyred. Hazrat Abdullah became shaheed when an arrow was fired at him. And Hazrat Yasir, the father who was old, immediately because of the torturing of the kuffar, he also passed away. And as for Hazrat Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha, my respected brothers, the ruthless man that he was, Abu Jahl, Mal'oon, what he did is that he would look at Sumayya with his spear and would point the spear at the face of Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha and would poke her slowly and says, Sumaya, I give you a chance. Say there is no Allah. Say that Muhammad is not the messenger of Allah. And Hazrat Sumaya would spit at the face of Abu Jahl. Allahu Akbar. Picture the iman, my respected brothers. Death is in front, and this woman would spit at the face of Abu Jahl, and she would say, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah, it is said that then Abu Jahl, what he did, the Zalim, he pierced the spear 
into what is considered to be the most private parts of a woman the most private part of a woman and in that manner the first individual to become shaheed in Islam is a woman whose name is Hazrat Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha so the hardship and difficulty the trials and tribulations that the companions went through even Hazrat Uthman was not spared Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq was not spared the entire family of Hazrat Ammar radiallahu ta'ala an was martyred Hazrat Khabbab radiallahu ta'ala an once during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an Hazrat Umar said to him O Khabbab people speak of your back people speak of your back let me see your back Hazrat Umar Farooq radiallahu ta'ala an said let me see your back and Hazrat Khabbab radiallahu ta'ala an lifted up his kurta and Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an started crying Hazrat Umar said it was as if though someone had just uh, taken a chunk out a chunk out from the body of Hazrat Khabbab radiallahu ta'ala a chunk of flesh out from the body of Hazrat Khabbab radiallahu ta'ala Hazrat Khabbab would say I have, Hazrat Umar would say I have never seen anyone's back like the back of Hazrat Khabbab radiallahu ta'ala and we, we hear frequently of Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala and the rest of the companions my respective brothers it was only when things got out of hand and it became unbearable for the companions remember all the time in Makkah, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam instructed the companions to take the defensive mode. To take the defensive mode and never to retaliate. When there was a possibility of a genocide, that the entire community could have been killed and wiped out. Again, we have to mark the intelligence of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam at the critical juncture. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave them the solution and he said that I see Abyssinia the best point of refuge for the believers Abyssinia was selected by Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam the first city where Muslims migrated to was Abyssinia Allahu Akbar and Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to them I want you to go to Abyssinia again a leader must have all the qualities he must not make life extremely difficult for his followers it is not just a suicide mission that that is it you know that everyone will be killed and there is no important decisions taking place Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam at the right time gave instructions to the Muslims to the believers that now go to Abyssinia it was said that there was a just ruler in Abyssinia. He would not oppress his people. And anyone who would come, who would take refuge in his country, he would allow them to stay there. And so Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to Hazrat Uthman bin Maz'oon. This is Hazrat Uthman bin Maz'oon. He was appointed as the Amir of the Kafla, the caravan. And Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an 
with Hazrat Ruqayya was also part of that community, that group which was making Hijrah to Abyssinia. And the shortest route to Abyssinia was to cross the Red Sea. In the night, it was painful for Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to see Muslims sneaking out from the city of Makkah, some on foot and some on camel backs. And when they got to the coast of the Arabian Peninsula, luckily, alhamdulillah, there was already two ships there. And the man noticed that all of them were Sabi'een. And Sabi'een means those who had accepted Islam at the hands of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As in all of them were Muslims. And because of money, the Muslims were prepared to pay them. And the owners of the ship said that we will take half a dinar from each muhajir, each individual. Now one dinar is one gold coin. One dinar is a gold coin and dirham is a silver coin. So with one dinar, two passengers. For one is half a dinar. And this was accepted by the Muslims and alhamdulillah all of them boarded the ship and they set sail for Abyssinia. It is said that it was the fifth year of Nabuwat given to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And in the month of Ma'raj, it was the month of Rajab, that the Muslims reached Abyssinia. Now, brothers need to also understand one very important discipline, the Masla of Hijrat. Hijrat is an act of great virtue in Islam. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has mentioned about Hijrat in many of the ahadith. And in fact, this hijrah of the companions is also uh, mentioned in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ هَاجِرُوا فِي اللَّهِ Those who migrated for the sake of Allah, مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا ظُلِمُوا After being oppressed, after being oppressed, مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا ظُلِمُوا Then Allah says, لَنُبَوِّئَنَّهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَلَأَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ أَكْبَرُ For them is a double reward. Allah will bless them in this dunya and a greater reward for them is in the hereafter. Ulama have said that anyone who migrates for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will bless them in this dunya and Allah will also bless them in the hereafter. A lot of the brothers, my respected brothers, we need to understand the masla. When you move from one city to another city, or when you move from one country to another country, your intentions have to be right. Why is it that for the companions, it was extremely easy for them to settle in any part of the world? Some went to China. Now imagine in those days China. And very comfortably the companions settled. Some went to Rus, Russia. And the companions settled there. Some to Africa. Some to... Uh, different parts of Europe and some even to India during the Khilafat of Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and some of them even entered Indonesia, we've talked about Aceh that the first group of companions that entered Indonesia was from Aceh and they covered that entire region of Indonesia, Malaysia and all that part of the world so for them it was very very easy why the intention was right it was not just money. So if you go to Dubai, you shouldn't settle in Dubai for the sake of money. You should settle in Dubai for the sake of 
Allah. If there is Allah there, inshallah, Allah is everywhere. Let not dunya entangle you, my respected brothers. Everything should be with the right intention. So for the companions, it was very, very easy. How did Islam spread in this beautiful continent of Africa? It was through the barakat of Hazrat Osman bin Maz'un's group and Hazrat Uthman bin Affan, the first batch of Muslims that left the Arabian Peninsula and entered into Abyssinia. And when they entered Abyssinia, that is the time Islam was exposed to the entire continent of Africa. And until today, alhamdulillah, you will find many, many African cities, all of them have embraced Islam. When we are to compare our Arab brothers who migrated to Africa and compare them to recently our forefathers who migrated from the subcontinent, you will find a great contrast. Our forefathers maybe, of course, because of lack of knowledge, when they came, it was purely economical reasons. It was monetary reasons. But Sahaba Kiram Ajma'een, when they touched Africa, it was only to promote and to propagate Islam to the indigenous population there. And that is why, Allahu Akbar, you, you can read about the likes of Hazrat Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala an. Hazrat Uthman became a prolific speaker because he was a great da'i. For the first time, Muslims were there and you, you had the locals that were there. Some of them were Christian, some of them were pagan, some of them had their own man-made religion. And for the first time, the Muslims could encounter them and speak to them and explain to them when the Muslims were performing salah whilst trading. They would come and they would ask the Muslims, what are you doing? What is this ruku? What is your qiyam? What is your sujood? And that opportunity was given to them and the Muslims and the companions would explain to them the reason why they perform salah and alhamdulillah, slowly, slowly Islam spread. And so we have to be uh, very, very careful, my respected brothers. There is no barakah if you migrate from one city to another city without the right reason. The reason should be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And only when it's, it is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will open the doors of sustenance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make, make your abode a beautiful abode in that city. And we are settled now, mashallah, in England. Our intention must also be to promote and propagate Islam, my respected brothers. This is very, very important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, alhamdulillah, a safe refuge in this country. We have to follow the sunnah of sahabai kiram ajma'een. When they went to Africa, Islam spread. <coughs> and when we talk about uh, also the, the history of Islam spreading in Africa, we can't forget the Sufi movement. If you look at the western part of Africa, the Silsila of Qadriya and great sheikhs like Sheikh Abul Hassan al-Shazili, a great scholar. And they were not just Sufi scholars, but they were prominent scholars, ulama, great fuqaha. And what they would do in the 16th and the 17th century, they would uh, <coughs> select the bright students and send them to Islamic universities. And when they would come back, mashallah, they would propagate and promote Islam. And that is why when you go to some parts of Africa today, you will find a lot of them reading Mawlud. Have you heard of Mawlud? Huh? And that they have a duf, 
And, and they, the African Mawlud is quite different from the Mawlud that the Indians, the people of the subcontinent practice. And when they uh, celebrate the Milad of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that Milad is completely different from the Milad of what the Barelvia movement celebrates. So we have to understand in Africa, Allahu Akbar, later on, initially it was all done by the companions, Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een, and Khair, this is the hijra of all of the companions. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam speaks about Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. Allah's Nabi said when Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an touched Abyssinia, he said to Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, in Uthman لَأَوَّلُ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَى اللَّهِ بِأَهْلِهِ بَعْدَ لُوتِ That Uthman is the first man to make hijra with his family to Abyssinia for the sake of Allah after Hazrat Ibrahim alayhi salam and Hazrat Lut alayhi salatu wasalam. So again, this is the great virtue given to Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. Insha'Allah ta'ala. Uh, in the coming sessions of Darsi Hadith, all of the programs will be after Maghrib Salah. So from next week, even Darsi Quran and Darsi Hadith will be after Maghrib. Jazakallah khair. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana Muhammadin nabiyyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima. Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna innaka anta tawabur rahim. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Sami'na wa ata'na gufranaka rabbana wa ilayka al-masir. Birahmatika ya arhamar rahim.